Hello and welcome to the X-Files Revisited. I'm your host, Graham Davidson, and with me as always is Brian Womax. Join us as we systematically work our way through the full X-Files franchise. In each episode, we will tackle a single episode of the X-Files, so join along. Watch with us as we discuss each and every detail on the X-Files Revisited. Okay, Brian, so we're on to episode 10 of season 2, which is called Red Museum, and I love that title. Uh, obviously, going into this episode, had no idea what it meant, I just loved the way it sounded. So, is this a big episode in the X-Files community, or is it more middle of the road? I think it's probably more middle of the road, to be honest. I don't think it's an episode that particularly offends anyone. Uh, it's just probably not that memorable either. It, it is a mythology episode, technically speaking, mm-hmm. but I think that you know, by the time we get to the end of it, we, we may be debating where you know just how necessary of a mythology episode it is. Uh, you know, you take mm-hmm. any mythology episode, really, it should kind of be integral to the overall story of, of the X-Files. I, I I'm not sure we can say that about this one. Right. Okay, so shall we just jump right into it? Yeah. Okay. So we start at a slaughterhouse. Um, you know, nothing bad can happen there, I'm sure. And it doesn't. No, absolutely because, not. <laughs> yeah, we actually, we follow this female character uh, home. So, you know, she, she works there. She goes home. She meets her two sons, says she's going for a shower, goes for a shower, and we see that somebody is peeping on her through a hole in her mm. wall. Um, and then the phone goes, and her eldest son, eldest of her two sons, answers the phone and then suddenly makes himself scarce, tells the younger brother to, to just let his mum know he'll be back in five minutes. But he isn't back in five minutes. He's actually picked up on the road by a couple of police officers dressed in nothing but his tighty-whities, and a sign on his back saying he is one. Cue opening titles. Yeah, yeah. I like to think of this as a bit like a, a kitchen sink opener, as in they throw in everything, yeah. including the kitchen sink. You know, yeah. it's, it starts off at the slaughterhouse. We've got a feeling it's going to be a bit like blood, you know, that kind of psychological or mismanagement of equipment or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It goes home and it's the peeping Tom aspect and you're like, okay, it's a bit like squeeze, somebody's watching, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And then you get an abduction of, of the boy and you're like, wow, <laughs> I don't know where this episode is going at all it could go in a number of directions and all of them seem fairly interesting at this point you know I'd, I'd be happy to follow any of these story threads but it just seems to be throwing everything at the screen at once yeah I mean I, I get some uh, kind of flashbacks to the pilot episode as well because that because the lad's just out mm-hmm. in his underwear and you know he's he's kind of out near the woods a bit delirious yeah. It, yeah it makes me think of Billy Miles in that first episode so yeah, like like you, I when this you know, I mean, obviously I knew where it was going. I've seen it loads of times, but mm-hmm. certainly the first time I, I saw this, I remember thinking, yeah, you know, not got a clue where this is going. What type of episode is this? So mm-hmm. yeah, we 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 move on past the opening titles, and Mulder is showing Scully some slides. Uh, Gary, who is the young man who uh, who had the sign written on his back. Uh, he mm-hmm. wasn't the only victim, and a local sheriff of the town where these kids have been been taken and then brought back uh, with signs written on their backs, uh, he thinks that they've been possessed of all things. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, of all the, the ways I thought the story was going, I was pretty damn sure that it wasn't possession. Mm. It just didn't fit in with the, you know the person behind the wall. Or, or the fact that they get the phone call and things like that. I just, I just wasn't buying the whole possession element of it. And then, he, he, you know, and the fact that the, the, the local policemen's come out with this, it really did highlight to me the fact that Mulder and Scully keep dealing with all these local police and almost all of them seem like complete idiots or neglectful <laughs> of their job. I mean, it's not really painting a decent picture of all these uh, law enforcement officers. But yeah, this one's another crazy one with you know his possessions. Yeah, I mean we, we've had a couple along the way that we've kind of respected, where we thought, oh, they're actually a decent, but but they kind of jump out at us because they're yeah so far from the norm. Yeah, the the typical mm. local sheriff tends to be this guy, 
who, uh, yeah, I mean, as, as we'll see, see when the episode goes, in, goes on, I'm sure the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Um, yeah. Although that in itself is something of a contrivance, I think, to get us to a certain mm. point towards the end. Um, but yeah, anyway, so Mulder and Scully are driving as passengers with the sheriff, who tells them about a vegetarian cult named Red Museum. Run by a man <laughs> named Odin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like, like I said, I've said this a couple of times, I don't know why, it's a phrase or just two words put together that really sparks a, a nice image in my head, Red Museum. I like the idea of, of that phrasing. Makes not a lick of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you said at the start of this that you, you weren't quite sure what it meant. By the time we get to the mm. episode the end of the episode I'm, I'm still not quite sure what it means to be honest no no not at all it's, it's almost like it's just word association you yeah. know somebody shouted out red somebody shouted out museum they're mm-hmm. like bingo that's the one yeah. we're going for absolutely um, I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about this whole idea of walk-ins which comes up in a bit um, mm-hmm. maybe walk-ins is like bodies storing souls in the way that a museum stores artefacts and Right. So maybe, See, but yeah, we never told that. I, 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 I was, um, I was sort of clinging to the fact that it used to be like a farm that raised like livestock type of thing, mm-hmm. um, which was soaked in blood or, or raised in blood, and it's now yeah. unused, oh, like a museum. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that that makes but, more sense actually. <laughs> but then we're just, we're, we're just pulling this out there. Yeah, there. yeah. There's we're, no, we're, we're pulling it out somewhere. Point. I tell you that much. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, so they go and see one of the services uh, run by Odin and this church. And it's a really bizarre service, to say the least, because it ain't like mm-hmm. any church service I've ever been to. Um, it, yeah, Odin comes out and rather than preaching from the pulpit, he, he types from the pulpit. Um, yeah. he, is, he basically types his message and it comes up on this screen behind him. And everyone kind of just watches with eager eyes. Uh, and he, mm-hmm. he claims that this message, you know, that the messages he types just come to him there and then. He channels them, I guess, from, from whatever deity they feel they believe in. Um, but, yeah, Mulder establishes that these people, the Red Museum, believe themselves to be what he calls walk-ins, which are souls mm-hmm. that have possessed multiple bodies. They don't believe in eating flesh, and so the three non-believers must be taught as as he uh, as he types on the screen. Yeah. Mm. So what what, yeah, what, it, what do you make of this walk-ins business? Uh, I'm I'm not really too sure that, it's, uh, that even the writers know what they're talking <laughs> about with this one because I, I feel as if they're kind of loosey goosey with the information mm, on this, and yeah. they don't really tie it down to any facts. It's just kind of like, oh, it means. This kind of airy fairy term. Mm. Let's quickly move on. Yeah, yeah and, and there is a, a, a small attempt to explain it a little later on, which we'll get to. But I'm, I, yeah, I think it's I the think, next scene. Yeah, mm, I think it just does nothing but confuse me even further. So, mm. uh, so this Odin guy, we know, we know him, of course, from um, Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And he's kind of weird when he comes out because honestly, I thought he was a mute or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. because he sits down and starts typing, he never says a word. Mm. And let's just quickly talk about their outfits, Brian. This pristine <laughs> white <laughs> coats and uh, the red turbans. <laughs> let's face it, they look like giant bellends, you know. <laughs> that, that may just be you in that one, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, swiftly moving on. Um, yes. So they, they go to interview Gary. They go to, to Gary's home. The, the the young boy who was who was abducted. I say young. He's he's like in his late twenties, or he looks like he is anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So they interview Gary, who thinks that he can. Re- well, he thinks he remembers an animal spirit entering his body. Um, mm. So while he's talking about that, Scully wanders off down the corridor, and sh- yes, d- decides decides to start doing grand designs on the house. She starts straightening <laughs> photos for some reason. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, but then Stevie, the younger brother, kind of comes out of his room and she asks him if he knows 
who rang that night. Um, all mm. the while, she's being watched. Yeah. Um, by the, 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 the peeping Tom. Mm. Um, the way Scully looks at the light beam that's coming through the, the mirror, you feel as if she's kind of cottoned on to this, but then you think she's going to act, but ultimately doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this scene's there just to get another look at the peeping Tom. I don't really feel it adds much because there's no clues here to be garnered. There's nothing that really helps the the, the investigation move forward at all. Mm, yeah. um, you don't need to learn anything about the characters or anything. It just feels like it's there for another Peeping Tom episode. I mean, it's more intrigue, isn't it? It's like yeah. Um, it's 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 mainly it's mainly to hear that it, it was Gary possessed. You know, the sheriff's got this. Mm whacked out theory about possession and what Gary is saying does seem to back that up um, mm. so yeah 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 okay so they exit the house and the sheriff tells Mulder that Gary has changed completely dropped football this is a, this is a, a kid who really loved his football he's completely dropped it Mulder asks if the people of the town ever single out the members of Red Museum, like bullying them, picking on them, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then he asks for a good hotel and a place to eat. So Yes. Yeah. And then um, we, we say quickly go from there to Mulder and Scully just stuffing their faces with red meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Scully proving herself to be a very messy eater at this point. Um, she's just oozing that stuff down her chin. Um, but it does make for a, a rather nice moment between the two. Um, yeah, a, a non-sexualised moment. With another mm. TV show, it would be distant, it would be pushing the city romantic element. Here, there is not even a hint of that going on. Yeah, it's just which, literally just, just a, a fresh take. Yeah, respectful, mo- you know, friendship between the two, in which they feel comfortable mm-hmm. enough to do something as as simple as wiping some sauce off the other person's mouth. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. nice moment, and it's one of the one. It, it, it's indicative of one of the reasons uh, why I love the, this relationship so much. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So yeah, so Scully's a messy eater. Mulder wipes it off her chin. And then she asks Mulder to explain this walk-ins theory a bit more. Um, mm. so, so this is it. I'm sat there and thinking, oh, great, right, let's hear what this walk-ins thing is. This is what Mulder says. He says, if you lose hope or become in despair, you leave yourself open to inhabitation by an enlightened spirit. Mm. Okay. Uh, that doesn't explain anything to me really in fact it, it confuses me further because uh, like I, I could buy the opposite like like if somebody was like in a really dark place saw no hope I could buy that they might leave themselves open to dark spirits or mm-hmm. you know uh, demon possession or something like that so yeah I don't know being filled with an yeah. enlightened spirit you do hear of these people who have like hit rock bottom, who do, um, I don't know, see a, a light or, or speak to God or feel as if they've been touched in some way and they fix their life, but they have to hit that rock bottom before they're willing to make a change type of thing. It could be but hinting the, but, towards that. But. but that usually requires a certain level of action on their part in the sense that you know they recognise the slump they're in, so they pray to God or you know somebody intervenes and helps them or you know it, it, it's like if, if, if you're talking about an act of God in that respect but here it's like they're going for the whole possession thing you know like mm. they're possessed essentially by an enlightened spirit you know that they're, they're, they're still talking essentially about a form of possession and when you look at people who who don't who you know like you've described who, who we you hear stories about people, yeah, they got out of those dark places and whatnot. They don't say that they were possessed by, you know, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, an unlikely spirit. I, I don't know. It just, it, it just, it doesn't, yeah, it sounds a bit weird, this explanation to me. It just sounds a little bit off kilter, a little bit bizarre, <laughs> yeah. um, don't quite add up to me, but 
I, I don't even yeah. think that the fact that they don't even spend that much time discussing it makes it feel as if it's negligible. It's just mm. there to like highlight something that may be mentioned in some dark corner of the internet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, mm. Okay, so uh, so yeah, so Mulder gives that bizarre explanation. Then they see a group of what I can only describe as douchebags led by mm. Rick, who is the sheriff's son, bullying. <laughs> And you you got to love the originality of, of bullies here. What, what they call a diaper head. <laughs> yeah. So what I what I say looks like a big bellend, they, they call a diaper head. Um, love the originality there. But, yeah, so yeah. M- Mulder and Scully intervene. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they step in. They kind of look like a... a a married couple, um, mm-hmm. and the, the the bullies are kind of like they're not they're not taking any notice of him until Scully kind of shows them her gun. So hmm. yeah, yeah. I think it's just accidentally seen one of them spots it type of thing, and then that, that's how we find out he's the the sheriff's son. But I think my my favourite part about this whole scene is when the Scully comes out of the restaurant and tears off her plastic <laughs> bib. <You know? laughs> it's such a, a, just a strange image. It's just one of these yeah. throwaway it's, things. It's like the equivalent of Clark Kent ripping open his shirt. <laughs> oh, pretty much. It's Superman. fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Rick... <laughs> We go from there, and, and are we this just as if they hadn't emphasised just how much yeah. of a douchebag Rick is already. We we see him dropping his girlfriend off, but not Literally. at the door of her house. Literally at the end of the street, he drops her off. Essentially, lets her get out of the car, and then she has to walk half a mile up the street to her house. He doesn't even stay in the car to watch her to walk there. He just literally. Do, he's done. He's off. He's gone. He leaves mm. her to be chloroformed by by yeah, yeah the crazy yeah, yeah pretty much. I mean they're just doubling down on the douchebaggery. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The guys like as soon as she's out of the car, she's forgotten about. He's off mm-hmm. up the street. She's going to get buffalo bowed. Yeah, and, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she's out in the forest. You know, we we, we mm-hmm. cut to, cut to the. A little bit later, she's out in the forest. She's uh, in a tighty whities again, like like yep. as with Gary. Um, and she's seen visions. She sees these crows mm. kind of pecking at her eyes. Then she sees all these cockroaches climbing over her arms. And we see then that she has again. There's a, there's a sign painted on her back that says she is one. So yeah, at this point, are you getting any closer to? To working out what's going on here. Nope, absolutely <laughs> none. And I don't think you've got any real hints or anything that, even on hindsight, you can't see anything pointing towards what it is at this point. And there's something about this scene that there is something that I can't put my finger on. It reminds me of something in a movie, um, a very similar scene of somebody hallucinating and things crawling over them. And for the life of me, I can't put my finger on it. But um, I, I think it's a, a fantastic image. I think it's one of the better images. Uh, of the the episode and it kind of takes away from that possession uh, angle because you you get Gary earlier on saying that he felt as if he was possessed by an animal spirit and you get to see her hallucinating where you could believe that's where he's been misconstrued Mm. about it and and instantly I'm like drugged yeah yeah because it doesn't really feel like the animal spirit in this sense the the crow is trying to possess her it seems like it's trying to have you it's just got it. Yeah, Scarecrow and Batman. Really? The gas. Oh, the gas. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When they start to get those freaky... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...images. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there, Brian. It just popped no, no, in my no, head. No, no, it's all right, it's all right. Um, but, no, it, it kind of reminded me of, of The Crow, to be honest. You know, there's a scene in that when The Crow pecks out a a woman's eyeballs. I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's the woman. Um but uh, yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. But yeah, it, it is a nice visual, and you know, it's 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 dated pretty well, I think. Considering, yeah, very um, much so. So, Mulder gets off the phone with Danny, and yeah. <laughs> Scully comes in. So they're they're at the hotel room. Scully comes in and says she was the um, the girl who was found out mm-hmm. in the forest. 
was drugged with a controlled substance that only a doctor or pharmacist could get hold of. And it turns out that Odin, leader of the Church of the Red Museum, is an MD. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. Yeah. Man, exactly. it, it, you know, it, it, at this point, it's starting to feel like they're putting a little bit too much pressure on the Red Museum, who haven't really been in this episode at all. Mm. So already, I, I'm starting to forget that they're about, and I, I've taken them off the list mm. of, of suspects. Yeah. Yeah, it feels as if they're pushing them too hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so, I, I mean, to be honest, but by the time we get to this episode, I, I find very little reason for them being here, except for the, except for the whole, yeah, um, well, well, we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> so, they go to speak with Odin, who refuses to let them in under religious grounds. <laughs> and then, his people surround Mulder and Scully's car, like the village of the damned. So Mulder arrests Odin. Uh, yeah, bit wacky, mm. you know. If 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 you're, yeah, if if, if you don't want you were, these, you were saying early, yeah, you were saying earlier on before we started recording how this really reminded you of Gender Bender a lot. Oh yeah, it really did. Because um, it it it, it I, I mean we we talked about how you know, this, this episode does have the flavour of so many other episodes, you know, a, a Monster mm-hmm. of the Week episode, a uh, yeah. an episode like The Pilot. And, and and here, with this with this religious cult, I did. I kept thinking of Genderbender. I kept going back to that kind of horrible take on Amish culture, um, mm. the non-Amish Amish. And, and this kind mm. of feels the same way, to be honest. Uh, but... Mm. Uh, yeah. You even get that similar scene with them all standing outside the door. Mm. Yeah, but you get yeah. in gender bender as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're supposed to not repeat the mistakes of the past, aren't you? And ge- <laughs> gender bender was definitely a mistake. Let's let's face it. It wasn't the, the strongest episode. Um, mm. But yeah, so the, they arrest Odin, take him in for questioning, uh, and at the police station, Mulder tries to question Odin who tells him he's never prescribed or administered the drug to anyone. Uh, The sheriff starts kind of shouting at him and basically being really unprofessional. Uh, Like, proper goes off the reins to the point where Mulder's got to ask him to leave the room. Um, (laughs) So Again, small town police are are useless. mm, Unable to control themselves, unable to think, unable to act. Yeah. And, and as I said before, we you know the the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. To to quote Batman Begins again, uh, it's <laughs> um, yeah because the the sheriff comes back in. Mulder barely gets any time to speak to Odin when the sheriff comes back in and tells him that there's something going on outside. So mm-hmm. yeah, they uh, they all go outside to check out this this trouble in the streets and. The the Red Museum people are basically having a demonstration outside the 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 barbecue beef place <laughs> yeah. that Mulder and Scully were eating at earlier, because uh, you know when when your leader has been arrested, the best thing to do is try and piss off the local police and the police force. Yeah, yeah, it's it it's such a, a weird image as well because there's literally about what eight ten of them standing there. <laughs> There seems to be like a good 30, 40 like townspeople mm-hmm. and um, this whole form of protest is to hold hands and sway in front of the barbecue place. It just, it's such a funny <laughs> image when you really stand back and look at it. Yeah. It's, just, it's just silly, but awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, Rick, as I say, not too far from the tree, comes over with a bucket of blood and throws it mm. all over them. Um, his dad does drag him off, which I don't know. I guess says something about his dad. Uh, you know, his, his dad drags him off, giving him a bit of a shouting at. Uh, and then <laughs> this rather dodgy-looking old guy kind of yeah. shakes his head at Scully. Come over here! Come over here! Uh, so Scully, you know, the, the kind of move that would have a normal person running in the opposite yes, direction. Yeah, ex- exactly. And and given the fact that Scully is currently working abduction an abduction case and has literally just been abducted herself she does the only logical thing she goes over to him on her own 
and, and has a chat. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The, so, the only way this guy could have been more suspected is if he was in a white panel van and was offering her a sweetie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he looks at her and says, there's something I'd like to show you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, cut to Mulder and Scully being driven by this guy in his van. Uh, and he, he, he shows them a farm that he used to own which now has two men on it who are injecting cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're injecting cattle with bovine growth hormone. And this guy theorises that the hormone is responsible for, well, basically for all the, the nasty behaviour in the town. Um, there's been a lot of rapes in the town in recent years. You know, you've got these abductions going on. People just in general haven't been as nice to each other as they yeah. were like years ago. Um, and he thinks it's all down to what, yeah, what we inject into our cows. You know, this isn't just something in the X-Files. This is what we do. We beef our beef mm-hmm. up, you know, to, to get more meat off them. And uh, so, yeah, this, this, yeah. this is so actually... Really, really, when you go. Uh, yeah, it's, it was, for me, it's, 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 it's probably the best part of the episode in the sense that it does touch a nerve it, it, it is mm. quite a scary thought to think actually do we fully understand the ramifications of the stuff we inject into the, in, into the things we eat mm-hmm. I mean this, this scene it feels like it's going to be uh, another exposition scene but the information that it's given you is genuinely really pretty interesting and pretty sound and it's not fantastical, it feels plausible in a way that it goes, hang on a second, that that could actually be happening, we could be doing that to ourselves, eating this mm-hmm. thing. Now there's three things about this scene that kind of bug me a little bit. Now mm-hmm. we get the guy with the glasses yeah. and the glasses are very familiar so we're already on the fact that this is probably the peeping Tom. Yeah, yeah. Because in this town he seems to be the only person wearing the, the type of spectacles that we've seen. Um, <laughs> Two, these guys seem to have only one cow in their field, which is, 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 I mean, unless they're going to beef this thing up to the size of like a small house, I I don't see them making much money off their cattle business. And then three, I'm pretty sure that the old guy just leaves Mulder and Scully in the middle of this field (laughs) and drives off and leaves them. Yeah, that didn't occur to me at all, but I think you're right. He does, he just kind of leaves them to it. Yeah, but yeah, just, I, I, just... even the cattle thing, to be honest, I didn't think about until you just mentioned it, which is, yeah, they literally just have the one cow. Um, do they do they go to the farm, bring out a cow, do the stuff on it, take it back and then lug out another one? It, it, does, mm-hmm. it does feel a bit piecemeal, the way they're doing business. So after that, you know, I, I, and still some intrigue mm-hmm. there, and I do like that, the, the, yeah, that theory that the guy puts forward. Um, mm-hmm. But then we get the next scene, and this really is where the episode starts to seriously derail. Um, basically, it's, it's nighttime, and a plane crashes. There's a doctor on board it. He's, he, well, we find out later he's a doctor. He, he's, this guy is clutching a case, and the plane crashes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason this is so annoying and so derailing for this episode is that it's by sheer coincidence this plane crashes. We, 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 I, I mean, I don't know if I missed something, but I don't remember them telling no. us that it was sabotaged in any way. Um, you know, no. it, it, yeah, it literally... The, this guy, the findings that they get from this plane crash literally gives Mulder and Scully the break they need in the case. So if this plane didn't just randomly, coincidentally crash, this this they'd be going nowhere. Case over. Mm-hmm. Nothing left to left to investigate. It's literally Deus ex machina or whatever the the phrase is. It's, it's just yeah they've pulled this out of their backside, hoping no one is going to notice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's I think the worst thing is it's a character that we've never even seen before. Mm-hmm. At least introduce him earlier on in the episode mm. um, saying that oh, I'll answer some questions when I come back I'm going out of town for a bit of business or something 
or a medical emergency, I'll yeah. be back in a day or two and I'll be able to answer any questions you have. Mm. Did anything, anything at all that, that tie this scene to the rest of the movie? Because if you're not paying attention, you're going to think you changed episodes. Mm. Yeah. It comes that out of the blue. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, but I'm with you 100%. I mean, we like we get some a few more scenes a little later on um, with this hitman, and it's like, why couldn't they have had this doctor in the car, and why not have the hitman taking him out? Um, mm -hmm. You know, making it look like a a, a car crash. But the, whatever experiments this doctor's been doing, they're done. They're over with. He's finished them. Therefore, the government want to clean up, tidy up the evidence. So you get this hitman to knock him out. That would have been a much better explanation rather than just, nope, by sheer blind bad luck coincidence, his plane crashes. <clears throat> right right next to the field as well, I might add, where... <coughs> that one cow is. Yeah, yeah, where that one cow is. So, yeah, it's just annoying. Um, so we're at the crash site. Mulder and Scully see that the briefcase was full of money as well as some little glass vials. Uh, yeah. And it's completely undamaged. Let's yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that plane blew up, and yet these, these glass uh -huh. vials are perfectly fine. Um, so the, the doctor was a, a man called Gerald, or something or other, um, and he was the last of the county doctors, apparently. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we cut from there to Scully being on the phone with someone, just as Mulder enters, and mm. they've both found out the exact same piece of information, which is that all the kids who've been abducted were treated by this doctor. So, yeah, like I say, a piece of information that we would not learn if that plane had not just crashed. Um, yeah. We, we go from there... To, and this could have something to do with the fact that they work on one cow at a time. <clears throat> but we cut back, it's, it's morning time, and the people who are injecting the cow have just finished work. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know if they've just been working through the night injecting their cattle, but there you go. They've just finished work in the field. Then the pervert dude leaves just as da -da -da, Deep Throat's killer arrives and shoots his partner. So, yeah, did, did you recognise this guy as Deep Throat's killer when, when he first appeared on screen? Nope, not at all. I, I, I thought he was a government agent because he just has, has that look about him. But mm -hmm. no, I did not uh, put two and two together. I, I yeah. didn't realise it was the same person. Yeah. Okay. And I was surprised as well when he just shoots the guy straight away. Mm. Um, that came as a bit of a shock. But I added a wee bit more um, intrigue into the episode. Mm. Okay. Not that we need it anymore, because there's plenty there. <laughs> That's the thing with this one. I think there's nothing but intrigue, but it gets mm. to the point where, like, there's only so much intrigue you can throw at someone before you have to start giving some answers, and you have to mm -hmm. start giving some kind of thread that makes sense. Uh, and, and this, it yeah. just seems to be, yeah, constantly, let's intrigue on top of intrigue, but no real payoff. Um <clears throat> So Mulder and Scully, they go to see Gary's mum to ask about Dr. Gerald. And apparently he'd been giving Gary and loads of other kids a vitamin shot for years as a preventative mm. measure. Uh, and it seems to have worked as Gary has never been sick a day in his life, apparently. Uh, but Mulder finds the room behind the mirror, along with a private video collection. So... Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the most disorganised video collection ever. Um, <laughs> I, I still can't get around my my head why all the tapes are still there and not mm -hmm. away somewhere else where they can be viewed properly. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's like, wh what does he do? Does he he records them there? Mm -hmm. Then he watches them there as well in in that little room. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, I mean, it's as just, if it's weird. Yeah, it's. It, it's bizarre. Surely you would record it, then take it to your private home. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah I don't get it either. It makes no sense. Um, and and, and I, I feel as if it should have been Scully that found it as well because she noticed the light earlier on in the episode, mm. and I feel like she should have been the one that again just went. You know that's not right, and 
and, absolutely and absolutely and and it would have called back to the mm. scene earlier in which it looked mm. like scully kind of she did feel like something was off she was looking at it and maybe in this scene if you have her kind of work that out then then that's a payoff isn't it from the scene earlier yeah. whereas having Mulder mm. do it it's like oh, actually you've just stolen that payoff and and you've made mm. it even less believable that that this would get found so yeah a little bit annoying yeah. must be said mm-hmm. okay so we go from there and Rick and his buddy are out drinking and his buddy goes to drain the lizard as he says and yeah. uh, then the, the pervert guy grabs Rick. Uh, and I, I actually thought it was the buddy who was going to get taken. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same here. Yeah. yeah. Like in all horror movies, he's the one who goes out for a pee in the bush. But it's actually Rick who gets taken from the safety of the car. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Rick is then found later with a gunshot wound to the head from Deep Throat's killer. Or at least I think... It's Deep Throat's killer. Yeah, it's, uh, no idea. I have no idea how he turns up dead at all. Mm, it's, it's really hazy. It looks like... Well, it, it looks like pervy guy has shown up to do his usual thing. You know, he's going to write his message on the back, drug him up like he usually does. But our, our friend Deep, Thro- uh, Deep Throat's killer has intervened at some point and blown this kid away, put a bullet through him. Um, wh- why he's done that, I'm not quite sure. Maybe he's trying to pin it on this pervert guy as if he's not in enough yeah. trouble as it is. Um, yeah, it makes no sense. But what makes even less sense is geography because this guy has shot Rick and... Before he gets to his car to ditch the gun, to ditch the weapon, the, 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 Rick's body is already surrounded by investigators and his mm. dad has already been told, informed, gets there, has a bit of a cry. All that happens before the, the killer even gets back to his car to toss the gun in, which, mm. yeah, just makes no sense to me at all. And, it, it, and the it, fact that the body's found in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, precisely. It feels like a scene's been cut. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. it seems like yeah. we should. It seems like we should have seen a scene in which um, the, the guy shoots this, shoots Rick, and then mm-hmm. goes, dumps the gun, and then we see his buddy find Rick. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know it makes no sense. Just the the timings of it. What happened to the pervy guy? Why? Yeah. It, it's a really muddled scene, and it's, it's not particularly well edited, uh, but I think that's also down to the script. It starts with script editing um, all the way through to final edit. But mm. So, yeah, were you going to say something? No. Okay, so we go from there. Scully is reading Gerd Thomas's file, because obviously they, they found all the tapes back of the house, and the, 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 the whole block of flats where, where Gary and his, his family live, it, it belongs to this man, Gerard Thomas. So he is the obvious person to go to uh, to question about these tapes and this, and this room that's been found. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the kind of oh, unusual so- interview scene. Yeah, so just 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 before we get to that interview, um, as they as they as they're going to 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 that, they they pass a car with Deep Throat's killer in it, and Scully yeah. kind of she clocks him, but she doesn't quite recognise him. She has a moment where she's like, "Who is that?" Um, but then yeah. kind of just tosses it to one side because you can't work it out. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, so back to Gert. <laughs> Gert. <laughs> Who? Who has one of the most unusual interview scenes ever, where mm-hmm. he just freely admit? I feel this guy's just been one hundred percent honest, <laughs> which is just, which is unusual. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, did you do this to these kids? Yep, but I didn't kill them, mm-hmm. but I did do all that. Yeah, yeah. And I believe him. <laughs> Obviously, we've just seen. 
Yeah, yeah, I, like, I, I believe him, um, but, but yeah, there's, there's definitely something off off with him, isn't there? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, again... The honest psychopath. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, that rare breed. But it's, <laughs> it's very, again, it's contrivance, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. this, is, this is sheer bad luck, again, that this guy... I mean, I mean, we'll we'll get there. We're not we're not quite there yet. Sorry, we'll, we'll just put a pin in it, as they say. Hang on. Um, so he says that he didn't kill Rick. He did all the other stuff, but he didn't kill Rick. Um, mm-hmm. now, now he says that Doctor Gerald had been injecting into them the same thing he'd injected into the cattle, which caused yeah. the rapes several years back. Um, now. That's why Thomas wrote, he or she is one, because they had been changed. So basically, he, he's backing up the theory of the, of the old guy who used to own that farm, the one who kind of mm-hmm. nodded Scully over. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a... It's yeah. A... Is it roughly around... Well, I started losing interest when the plane crash happens. <laughs> Round about this point, I, I've checked out. Right, yeah. Checked out completely. I th- I've I, lost interest. I think I'm with you, to be honest. Um, mm. it, it just... Because, yeah, it, it just feels exactly like what you said at the start, that they're throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, into this. And there's so many strands going on, so many different kind of storylines that they're trying to make meet, that... It it just doesn't quite work, and and you're always thinking what what what's that? What's the main thread? You know this. It's called, the episode is called Red Museum. We've we've been introduced to the church, the Red Museum, and then and then they've just kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really seem to be about them. It, it feels no. like they got the wrong title for this episode. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's at this point that Scully remembers the face of Deep Throat's killer and tells Mulder that the stuff that was in the vial contains the same purity control from the Erlenmeyer flask. If you remember, that mm. there was the whole purity control thing in that. Um, so the kids were the result, basically, of government testing with alien DNA, and Gerd Thomas is just some loser who's blown their cover. So, that yeah, that's basically what I was getting at, which is that, again, this is another... Sheer coincidence. Mm-hmm. So a- everything that happens in this case, how it how it even came about to be investigated, you know the the stuff with the doctor, the purity control, it, everything gets found out by sheer coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Anyway, Mulder goes to Gary's mum, tells her to pack up the boys and come with him. And he tells the sheriff to do the same with his, uh, w- w- uh, w- w- with the other survivors of all the other families, and he takes them to the Church of the Red Museum to hide out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're back. We haven't forgotten all about them. Yeah, for all of twenty seconds. They, yeah. they are. Yeah, they're here to to hide these kids, basically. Um, and it's just. Yeah, like, I mean, there's a commentary there, I guess, about how, you know, the, the the very people who have been bullying them, who've been calling them names, um, are, are now needing their protection. I, I guess that kind of rubs their nose in it a bit. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't really feel invested in them enough to care all that much. No. No, I, I'm with you 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So, Mulder goes from there, because Mulder basically, the, re, the whole reason that Mulder has sent these families to there to, to, for protection is because he's figured that someone is, is probably going to try and clean up all the evidence, basically. Um, you know, once, once, Dr., once Dr. Gerald's pr- plane went down and, and the, that evidence was found, the vials, the money, 
so you know someone is going to come out and try and clear up the evidence and, and those families are part of that and that's one of the reasons Rick so Mulder believes was killed um, mm-hmm. so Mulder goes to the place where he thinks that, that, that this this guy this deep throats killer will go to mm-hmm. uh, which is the the beef factory that we saw at the beginning because obviously this this is the place where all the all the beef is you know this all this cattle that's been injected with purity control um that that's evidence basically so that that's evidence yeah. that this guy's going to want to destroy so Mulder goes there and i got to say i love the name of this place it's it's an an acronym or whatever you call it uh, anagram i don't i don't know what you call it it's an acronym isn't it yeah yes um and it, and it's called jazzed beef you know as in jazzed up as in injected with something to jazz it yeah, yeah. it's just Really on the nose, but it was mildly amusing. Um, anyway, Deep Throat's killer is there, dousing everything in gasoline. He traps Mulder in a refrigerator and is about to blow the place when Scully and the police walk in and the sheriff shoots the man dead. Basically leaving us with nothing. Yeah. It's the most uninteresting fight sequence ever. Mm, yeah. Like a... Pretty much, like I tuned out when it got to the the meat plant. I, I couldn't really be bothered with anything at all. I was just, mm. like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, just get to the fight, have it done with it. Because I really feel like it should have been Skilly. Yeah. Because she's the one that's got the history with this guy. She's the one that's seen him kill Deep Throat. Mm. I know it was Mulder's um, informant so, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, it, it feels like it should have been tying up Skilly's aspect of that story. I mean, it may it may have been Mulder's informant, but it was still Scully who saw him get shot. Mm-hmm. So you know, even there, she she should really have the emotional payoff of. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's really anticlimactic because the fact that they don't get anything from this guy just means mm-hmm. the whole thing is a waste. Like what? Yeah. Do we, what do we yeah. achieve? What do we achieve from this episode? We achieve nothing. We learn nothing. No. Um, now, exactly. We, we we get one final moment at the end where we have Scully's voiceover just wrapping everything up, um, and she says that Deep Throat's killer isn't identified. So yeah, pointless bringing him back. Quite frankly, if you're not going to get anything out of him, you didn't really need to bring him back. We like we we never needed that catharsis really of, of, of seeing this guy get brought down because mm. the whole point was always that he was just some faceless government um grunt you know it, it didn't matter that if we if we ever saw him again so the fact that they bring him back that that means okay if you're bringing this guy back then you're going to do something with him and they don't they just kill him yeah. we learn nothing from him so it's a bit pointless um the kids that were all uh, injected with this stuff by the doctor have now started to catch a strange uh, flu. Uh, the vile substance, the purity control, has broken down to the degree where it's it's just it can't be tested on. It's it's useless. Uh, the eatery where Mulder and Scully went to is closed down. And finally, mm-hmm. probably probably the 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 only piece of information that is of any interest to me is that the Red Museum. <coughs> were perhaps a uh, control group. So that really was their purpose. Because they were vegetarians, because they didn't touch any of the meat that this town kind of thrives on, lives on, um, they mm. made a perfect control group for whatever experiment was being done. Um, you know, if, you, if you're going to test this drug out on the town's population, it helps to have people there who you know are not eating their product. So, yeah, beyond mm. that... That is it. It's a bit of a waste of time. Uh, yeah, go on. You, you wrap up first. Wrap up your thoughts. It, it's an episode that's full of promise. I think it, it gives you lots of like intrigue at the start. It gives you lots of cool imagery. It leads to things that you hope is going to go. And I think it ultimately let down by a very poor, very contrived second half. You have Scully, who should be the central point of this investigation almost. She should discover the hole in the wall. She should have the fight with the the government agent at the end to close the loop of that story. And it doesn't happen. And ultimately, it leaves you with a a middle-of-the-road feeling. You know, an episode that could have been great, 
turned out to be meh, yeah. and I gave it two and a half out of five. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, I will confess, I didn't have my grade quite that low when 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 we first came to this. Uh, but talking about it, I, you know, it, it kind of solidifies some of those problems, which when I watched it probably weren't that bad, but as we talk about it, yeah, it's just actually this episode isn't that great. Um I'm with you. I, I give it a two and a half out of five. And I, I think ultimately the, the problem is this is a mythology episode and if you completely get rid of it, it, it makes no difference. Like, mm. no, yeah, if you got rid of it, no one would know any different. They wouldn't feel like they were missing a part of the story, the overall story, uh, which is what mm. you should feel like with a mythology episode. You should always yeah. get more questions, more more information given to you that kind of, yeah, but you just don't with that. So two two and a half out of five from me as well. Yeah. And there we have it. So tell us a little bit about the next episode, which is Excelsior Day or Excelsior Day. Excelsior. Surely it's got to be better than Red Museum. Uh, I, I so wish I could tell you that, but for me personally... Um, I mean, there are there are a couple more contenders in the season. Dodd Calm, I remember being one, and Fearful Symmetry, possibly. But I, I think this, I, I think Excelsis Day may be the worst episode of season two. So right, okay. Oh well, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> so, join us next week for uh, episode eleven of Season 2 of The X-Files Revisited. You've been listening to The X-Files Revisited. Please join us next time when we dissect another episode of this classic series. If you like what you've been listening to, please don't forget to click subscribe and also leave a rating and a review. It really does help us to get seen. If you'd like to hear or see more from Graham, please visit Man V Film on YouTube. Likewise, if you'd like to hear or see more from Brian, then please head over to Brian Lomax Movie Talk, also on YouTube. All that's left for us to do is to thank you for listening. And until next time, trust no one.